Hello everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Run Wild with Lauren and Bud. There's not a whole lot of running wild going on these days uh, given the craziness that comes along with the global pandemic. So today we're going to talk about running a virtual race, um, one in particular that I just finished, okay? And we're also going to talk about other things that might be a little bit timely. Uh, Of all things, road running shoes. Uh, Who knew that we would ever be talking about road running shoes? Uh, But we do chit-chat a little bit about that. We also talk about how an ultra runner uh, in the future may want to break into fast packing. What it is, what gear you might need to get started uh, so this one's a little bit of a long one. If you find yourself on a lonely trail or stuck at home, uh, we're here and you can just listen in to our chat. We just keep it nice and mellow. All things trail and ultra and yeah, even some road shoes, believe it or not. So here we go. Hey, bud. Hey, hey, Lauren. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm relaxing. I'm in bed. <laughs> <laughs> just like chilling, drinking a Coke. Yeah, well, tell me what you did yesterday. Well, I just got done a few hours ago doing my uh, 24-hour challenge, which was put on by uh, Jason of Yeti Trail Runners. And so uh, the idea was to run a total of 30 miles over 24 hours, but there was a certain sequence. Um, so basically you were running the challenge was five hour. I'm um, sorry, five miles every four hours for 24 hours. Okay, and so that means that, and you know, there's like six blocks of four hours in a day, and in each of those blocks you have to complete five miles around the the clock. Um, and so that's what I did. I started Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Ran my five miles uh, two, and then again, you know, four hours all through the night in the early morning, and finished up today in twenty four hours, and it felt good. Yeah, I'm I'm very proud of you. I know I you Thanks, sent me a, a few you sent me a few <laughs> updates while I was asleep, I did. and so I yeah, didn't get those. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was hoping those dings would wake you up, like yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah so it was fun you know and I did it all um, I'm fortunate I live out in the woods and out in the country so I uh, never ventured past my door more than two miles to finish it I have a little trail system in my backyard I've got some empty country roads and so uh, I just did lots of loops and uh, used the roads used the woods and uh, at one point used the treadmill I think at 3 (laughs) a.m. Cause I didn't want to go outside. I was tired of being outside um, and got it done. Yeah. So it was good. And so we, we should mention that you were uh, practicing social distancing the whole time. Yeah. There's no one around. My kids were right. jumping in and out, but yeah, there's, there's no one else around. So out in the woods, out in the country is where I live. So it was, it was nice. Um, yeah. So I got it done. So, Whoa. and today, well, and so the big reason I'd chosen to do this today was I was supposed to be running the Yamacraw 50K today up in Stearns, Kentucky. Um, I've run that one before, and that was supposed to be my race today, and uh, obviously it's it's not happening. Uh, so, yeah, so I felt good getting to do something, at least, do some uh, new challenge, so it was fun. 
that's good. I'm I'm real. I am truly proud of you because it's Thank very you, hard man. to it's very hard to do this on your own, at least yeah. for me. Um, yeah. If I don't, yeah, if no, I don't have is. someone uh, pushing me, I just can't do it. Hey, what do you got there? I've got it's something. Just hope. Oh, it's just hope. It's just hope. Okay. I know. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be switching to an adult beverage here shortly. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I've, no, it was I've a good challenge. What do you got? One bud? of these. Uh, it's a local Hutton and Smith. It's one of the uh, pink ones. Uh huh. I don't know, Base Camp Blonde, but it's pink. Oh um, yeah, I think I've had that yeah. actually. Yeah. I love these. Yeah, nice. Tell us, uh, how's your weekend going, bud? It's good. Um, it's just been me and the family uh, since Friday, and so um, I'm still working, of course, and our plant is still running. And I, I get phone calls all the time uh, throughout the day. And uh, I go into work Monday through Friday, sometimes on the weekends a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, we, what do we do? We've, we've run around the neighborhood a little bit. In fact, my wife is now running the neighborhood again for oh, the second cool. time today. Uh-huh. And uh, lots of people out mowing their yards and doing gardening or whatever they're doing. Uh, everyone's staying distant from each other, but we're very friendly. So it's like most people who I would normally ignore, uh, (laughs) you know, neighbors who I don't know, they like creep around the back of their house to wave at you now. And and so that that's a friendly thing. I think it's good. Um, I know I know that we don't have to have concern about other people as if they're criminals, you know, because that's what (laughs) it felt like. It feels like like, you don't want to say anything (laughs) to them. (laughs) Yeah, it's like when you when you bump into a stranger, you don't know what to do. And well, okay, smile and wave and say hi, but you know, yeah. stay far away. And right. so, from a hundred feet away, people are like, "Hey, young man," and they're they're waving, you know. And you just everybody's like, so desperate for interaction. Yeah, yeah. there's some That's dude funny. burning leaves, and I don't even know that we're allowed to do that now. But there's like dozens of people burning leaves in the backyard, <laughs> and it's like, That's well. Funny. You know, they're doing yard work and loving it. Yeah, so. that's funny. Yeah, I've kind of noticed the same thing. Um, there's definitely kind of an aura of, you know, people are unsure how to act around each other because we're all trying yeah. to figure this out. But then you also do have a lot of people who are just craving some interaction. And so, right. you know, people who might not normally be like, hey there, Renner, <laughs> how are you? Um, yeah. yeah, I had a few a few neighbors when I was running the roads, you know, wave and 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 everything mm-hmm. and uh, say hello. So yeah, you know, it's just it's weird for everyone, I guess. Yeah, I was reading this today. Um, I think Dr. Fauci, am I saying his name right? The I'm not even sure. I, that's what I've CDC. been calling him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he's an avid runner. I saw and, that. And every so day. he. He's fast too. He's hit down in the low three hour marathon times before. Wow. Uh, but he, uh, uh, he's telling people running is still a very safe thing to do by yourself yeah. Yeah. or even distant. You know, you can run in a group if you guys stay far away from each other far or whatever. Away. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so you're not unsafe as far as, um, I know that the buddy system works. So if you, if you would normally run, and you don't like being by yourself because it's scary to be by yourself. So you would pick up with some friends and run in a group. That's still the thing to do, but kind of socially distant from each other, I suppose. Yeah. And, 
you know, you don't have to go out by yourself and feel unsafe, like running through like the bad part of town or something. But yeah. uh, you can you can still have friends with you just, um, you know, appropriate yeah. uh, space between you, you guys, you know. And I think uh, that that is still acceptable with the uh, guidelines they're giving us right now. Yeah. And of course, uh, the governor of Tennessee has now told us um, that they really want us to stay isolated. They've done other measures to close state parks and, yeah. and a lot of the trail systems. Some of the trail systems that I use and that I've been seeking out, they're, these are not tourist trail systems. Mm -hmm. But the, the tourist type places have been shut down. There's way too much overcrowding. And I think, uh, you know, closing down the state parks altogether, it should help people from congregating. But yes. um, it's kind of been a little bit of a detriment for me. You know, I don't have a lot of the places available where I, I like to go. So yeah. I'm just running in front of the house. Is what oh, I'm doing. Hey, that meets you. All my go-to spots are, you, are closed. Now, I will say, so Tennessee state parks are closed and a lot of um, other non-state park systems are closed. Like you said, funny enough, Metro Nashville is keeping their parks open and greenways um, which I kind of feel like they will eventually close. Um, so now they're even more crowded. Because, I bet. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I feel as a runner, if you want to go at night or, or at dawn, it's going to be fine. You can be socially distant. Um, but for me, I'm just keeping to my own woods. And, you know, I may do a night run. Like I did night running by myself here around my house and woods, uh, because I feel safe. Um, although I did get spooked by a group of a gang, I guess we could say of bunny rabbits. <laughs> <last laughs> night. I don't know. They like spooked me. Um, and, uh, but I don't typically run parks, park trails, um, by myself in the middle of the night. My husband does. Um, so for me, it's a little bit of a conundrum. So I'm sticking to running my, empty country roads, mm -hmm. my little trail in my backwoods. And I may try going, you know, um, really early, right before sunset to some of the Metro Nashville parks uh, before everybody jumps on. But yeah, I, I'm kind of in the same boat. Don't really have my okay. normal spots to go to. Well, let's keep this really upbeat. So let me ask you some questions because I know everyone is dying to sure. know. What did you eat? What did you wear? When did you sleep? What did you do oh, on this, on this my, big yeah. ultra you did on your own? Well, and so this. How can was... someone? Yeah. How can someone else <laughs> model themselves? After oh, you? yeah. It's easy to do. So I did okay. most of it at home. Uh, like when I did my first run of five miles at 2 p.m., you know, my husband's away at work. So I've got all three kids. You know, um, and so that one, I kept the loops right around my house. So I was literally running my backwoods and up through my front yard and the road just over and over again for five miles <laughs> while my kids played outside. They would fight. I'd have to stop and be like, what's going on? You know, um, and so that was a little frustrating, but made the best of it. And so, yeah because you you get like three or four hour break between runs I mean I was doing laundry feeding the kids mm -hmm. <laughs> you know like uh doing yard work and so um 
that was all fine. And then stayed up, did my 10 p.m. loop. And after my 10 p.m. loop, I came inside. My kids were all, you know, in bed. And so I got into bed and actually slept for a couple of hours. And I woke up at like 2 a.m. to do my run. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to go outside. It's like so cozy in here. So I just jumped on the treadmill that's in my bedroom. <laughs> okay. Now you, between the... So for your, your 2 p.m. run, your very first one, yeah. you obviously had lunch a few hours before that. Right? Yeah, yeah. I had eaten okay. a normal lunch. And so I wore my normal trail clothes. I put on a hydration pack because it's been hot here. It was like high 70s, full sun mm. uh, yesterday and today. It was really warm and humid. Um, so I just wore what I normally wear to run in, wore my hydration pack so I didn't have to stop at the house every, you know, couple of miles to get a drink um and yeah I just did my normal thing but it was like little small loops and I had kids yelling mom mom <laughs> every five minutes uh, but I got it done and um you know come in cool off I would change clothes I wouldn't necessarily shower I would just put on my the clothes I had on like a t-shirt and shorts and go about my business and uh yeah and so did like a 6 p.m run and then came in and ate dinner uh, went back out at 10 with a headlamp and did a run and then got in a little power nap after that, got up and got on the treadmill for five miles, uh, took another little power nap, <laughs> got back up at 6 a.m. for a very pleasant morning run. It was nice and cool and there was just, you know, no cars out, um, and then finished up with a 10 a.m. run and which was hot hot but my husband's home today so yeah so it was good it's definitely if you either have a treadmill or a road or something or maybe you have a park nearby that's not crowded if you're lucky uh you can definitely do this kind of self-supported ultra thing and uh it's put on by yeti trail runners just as a fun challenge Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you could do anything, you could do your own. Like if you didn't want to do 30 miles total, you could go out and do like, you know, three miles every, you know, four hours for 12 hours. I don't know. Whatever is like, yeah, whatever is good for you. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so we didn't, we didn't talk about this type run, um, in our last podcast. And I think the last podcast is still in cyberspace somewhere. We haven't done anything with it. Right. The yeah, one where we described we the different types of runs. Connection. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so this style run, this 24 hour challenge, yeah. is it wasn't quite do as much as you can in 24 hours, but it was pick something like this ultra distance and complete it over mm-hmm. 24 hours. So yeah. uh, unlike a continuous run, um, you had breaks in between. Oh yeah. Uh, sometimes breaks can be bad because mm-hmm. your body decides it's time to stop. Yeah. You're, you're going to uh, get sore if you sit still because your body thinks yeah. it's in recovery mode. And yeah. if, had you kept going, it's easier to just keep going. How do you feel? Uh, I feel ma- like maybe... I haven't run at all. Okay. Like, it was so funny. Um, you know, usually after I finish a 50K, which is like 30-something miles continuously, I'm mm-hmm. tired at the end. Right. You know, you're tired. You've been on your feet all day. Uh, You just want to sit down and eat and go to bed. Um, But I, even though I only got a few hours of sleep, I feel like I haven't run at all. Like, I feel great. Um, That recovery, like, I seriously, it feels like I have not. I just ran 30 miles. 
Um, but because it was broken up and, and split apart over four hour increments, I literally feel like I have not run. I will probably get up tomorrow and run. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, for whatever reason, yeah, it, it's um, totally that little four hour recovery window just makes it feel very pleasant. And I was doing a lot okay. of road running for this, which is not what I normally do. And it's kind of hard on your shins and it, it didn't bother me at all. So yeah, it was good. Okay. So your body was able to recover a lot in between your loop runs. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, good. Well, and I've been training for this 50 K and for actually a 50 miler that I have, well, it was going to be in May. <laughs> it no longer is. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I've, you know, I'm kind of in training mode, so I should have been able to do a 50 K pretty easily. Um, but yeah, so doing it with, with little rest periods, oh man, made it a piece of cake. Yeah. So well, that, that's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And, and of course, um, being the, uh, sponsored Yeti at home trail run, they, uh, you actually signed up for it and you, you're getting a t-shirt and all that stuff. You yeah, turned so, in your time to him. Yeah, and so it's kind of on the honor system. Right. You, you know, Jason just, it's it's there to have a good time. And the reason that you had to sign up um, and pay a little fee for a t-shirt is that the print shop they use employs adults with special needs. And so this kind of gives them some business to keep operating. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of for a good cause. Um, and yeah, I, you know, if you know Jason... He mm -hmm. always, he's such a great guy and he just, he wants people to have fun and he'll motivate it. And so I was like, I am in, <laughs> you know, totally I'm glad, in. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, a lot of local businesses, um, are set up now where you can purchase things remotely. You can yes. still do business with them online. A lot of people who've never done online sales are learning that this is the only way they're going to keep their doors open for the next few months. Yeah. Yeah, and so true. supporting them, spend money. If you're still generating an income, spend money at these places and help keep yeah. them open. Yeah. And so, that's like a, that my go-to place is Nashville Running Company. And they did not do online sales prior to this. And they have transferred you know their business to online for now mm -hmm. um just to keep afloat and i know there's so many have um other running shops and outdoor stores so yeah i agree like if you have a local small business that you frequent and you have an income and couldn't can spend money yeah definitely support them because it's critical at this time for them you know it really is right right yeah I'm, and uh I think it was a really good idea that Jason had to, to host this run. And I think other people will catch on and do the same thing. And I oh, know yeah. that, um, uh, one of our other friends run bum, he was, uh, selling other memorabilia from the races and things. I and saw so that. Yeah. I would buy that, buy that stuff up. Um, yeah. I'm, in, in fact, after this call, I'm going to go back on there and see what's left. Um, I looked the other day when he first put it up uh -huh. and they didn't have a lot of stuff that was my size because oh. I think it, it goes quick. Yeah, I bet. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it is important that we, you know, these small businesses we love, if you're able to, I mean, like we were kind of talking about before, I feel very fortunate because um, myself and you in particular, um, 
are able to keep an income at this time. And I know that's not true for everyone. Um, it's a hard time. And so I kind of feel like, you know, that's a way, one way I can give back is, you know, um, to, to keep purchasing from businesses I support, especially small businesses. Yeah, I think it's it's just important. You know, we're all trying to help each other. So, yeah, I I totally agree. Um, now tell me, you had one of my favorite pizza places, Sky. <laughs> yeah. So, you <laughs> yeah, guys are still it. getting takeout from there, right? Yes. You know, and that is the good thing. Um, yeah. Our little uh, Mexican restaurant has to-go margaritas, so we've been partaking <laughs> of that. And yeah, our favorite little pizza place—it's um, again a, a small local, locally owned business. And uh, yep, they're doing curbside. So we got pizza last night. That was great. I got to run. You know, I'm like running laps, and then Jim walks through the door with a milkshake from the ice cream place oh, for wow. me, <laughs> and pizza from my favorite pizza place. Yeah. So we're trying so hard to support, you know, our friends and businesses that we really love. And so they're, they're still kicking it. So that's good. That's good. That's really good. And uh, we've been experimenting with other kinds of food here at the house. And of course we're, we're doing all cooking at home. And uh, Jennifer went to the farmer's market today and got a lot of fresh vegetables that I haven't oh, had nice. in a long time. Yeah. And so, um, of course, I don't eat them healthy. We fry it all up. So. <laughs> That's the best way. The <laughs> That's best the way. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we, we cook most of our meals. And so I, we're picking like one night, you know, to pick up curbside. And so we're lucky. Mm-hmm. I live in a little tiny place, but... Um, a lot of our beloved little little locally owned businesses are are doing takeout and so just trying to support them and yeah so we're just trucking along doing our thing that's that's really good uh let me see what can i ask you about that i haven't already asked <laughs> let me think uh give me the exact mileage of one loop that you were doing uh, Can you do that? Can you think like, of that? Of one run? You were mixing it up. So you, I not was just mixing the, it the, up. So your five mile stint had probably uh, oh, a mile or two on the trail and then it had yeah. some craziness on the road. Yeah, and yeah. So, so I'd this like little to kinda... loop that mm-hmm. I have around my house, um, I live in the woods. I have kind of like a normal front yard and then my backyard turns into the woods and we built this little trail and so it's little though. So you're talking about like, you know, maybe a third of a mile. I mean, well, probably maybe like 0.35 of a mile uh, makes this little loop. And so I add in some road, but it has a lot of gain on this little loop. We're on a hill. Um, so I like running it and the ground's all soft. And so I would mix it up. I'd do this little loop around my house and then. Um, we have a lot of just open, hilly roads uh, through the woods here where I live. And so, yeah, I was just mixing it up, trying not to go, you know, kind of stir crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so the good thing about living out here, lots of wildlife. So there's deer out, there's bunny rabbits, there's turkeys, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, so it's it's like almost as good as being on a trail, you know. Uh, it's not horrible, 
Um, but yeah, so I was just mixing it up, like, you know, running up and down little roads and running through my little woods. Uh, yeah, just mixing it up. And then my middle of the night treadmill run, I just turned on Hulu and watched the show and just had at it because it was like, you know, two in the morning and I was tired. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Um, Obviously, it's not the same as being on the trail, but, you know, I can't complain because at least I I have a space to run Mm -hmm. and um, it's not ideal, but it works. So did you did you alternate between different pairs of shoes or did you keep the same? No, I wore an old pair of Solomon's that I don't mind getting worn down like when they're on pavement because they're trail shoes. Um, I don't own road shoes, so if I have to run treadmill or roads, I just wear old trail shoes <laughs> that are already <laughs> kind of worn down. And yeah. so that's what I just wore the same pair of shoes the whole time, and they're just worn down Solomon trail shoes. <laughs> and so most most trail shoes have real soft compound rubber because yeah. they're meant they're meant to grip wet rock. Yeah. And so when you wear them on dry concrete or asphalt, they're going to wear down quick. It just wears them down. Yeah. And so I take my shoes that are already kind of worn down and not so good for trail anymore. And those mm-hmm. become like my, you know, treadmill slash road shoes. <laughs> right. Or kayak shoes or whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, even even hiking shoes like they go right. on a trail with my kids i use old you know trail running shoes so i basically wear them until they're dead dead like falling apart yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah that's good when i when i ran this afternoon i put on some uh i think they're called ultra iq is what they were and i got a prototype version from a lady that worked at ultra and these were um it was at like the nashville marathon probably in 2015 maybe oh wow that shoe is supposed to have a computer in it that sends stuff to a cell phone and i I don't i don't know who the hell wants that but uh, (laughs) but they had those shoes there and 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 they these ones were a prototype so they they were the exact shoe except without the heart rate sensors and all that crap, huh. all the all the pedal yeah. technology or whatever. And so I got them and started wearing them, and I loved them. I've wore those things in several Ironmans, and I've put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles on these stupid things. Oh wow! And so today I put them on, and they were just not doing it for me. It was uh-huh. like they have already been compressed to the point where <laughs> there is nothing left There's no return yeah there's no yeah it's just <laughs> no point of no return yeah um, it's like being in yeah. converse or something you know <laughs> that's funny yeah eventually yeah. yeah eventually they wear down i have found so solomon's the one i wear have really aggressive tread and so it does take time to wear those suckers down and mm-hmm. even running pavement like once they've worn down enough where i, I don't they're not as grippy on the trail Man, it takes a long time to to wear those suckers down, even on the road. Um, so they last me a long time on the road and treadmill. Actually, it's kind of interesting. Um, and so that's so you my wear strategy. Them, you wear them on the treadmill as well. Yep, they're my tread. My old my old trail shoes are my treadmill shoes, and so um, and the reason I do that is because I have like we've talked about shoes before, I think, and I have really narrow, weird feet and I have a hard time getting fitted. So I don't, it's like, I don't want to mess with anything. And so whatever I wear on the trail, 
I want to wear on road or treadmill too. I just wear the old mm. beat down ones. Um, because I found that when I tried to switch it up and wear other yeah. shoes for road and treadmill, I had feet problems. Um, so I just keep it all the same and, uh, saves me money. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I do. Okay. You know, we were talking the other day about, um, how Solomon's don't work for people with wide feet, yeah. but I, I have now learned and I'm, I'm probably way behind, but <laughs> Solomon has several wide versions now. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Yes. I didn't even know that. I'm yeah. shocked. And yeah. so it's like, I know they have at least three or four versions that are, that are wide and yeah. they're, and, the, and so you can get the exact same shoe like the uh, speed cross. I think they have uh-huh. a speed cross wide version. Oh, wow. And so um, I, I like the way that shoe fits me. Oh, yeah. But it's too tight around the outside of my widest part of the foot, which is kind of where your pinky toe is. Mm-hmm. And that that's where my foot is. You know, it's got some, I don't know, padding that sticks out. So it's always being yeah. mushed by the speed cross. When I, Whenever I would do those demo runs, I could never get a speed cross that fit. Okay. Uh, per- perfectly. But I like the way that shoe grips. I like everything yeah. else about it. It seats the rest of my foot really well. Mm-hmm. But the the outer part of my foot would go numb after a while. So <laughs> I'm I'm going to definitely try that wide version yeah. and see what it's like. That'll be interesting. I, you know, I've seen mixed reviews online from people who like and don't like stuff. Everyone yeah. I've talked to personally loves the Speed Cross. Oh, I so, love them. They're my favorite. Yeah, yeah. That's the go-to shoe and they're they're really good value. Yeah, you know, they're pri- they're priced good. I feel like they have a long life, you know, um compared to other shoes. Like I've not had a problem with them wearing out before expected. So I feel so how, like it's a good how investment. How many miles do you get? Ooh, that's a tough one because it depends on like what kind of training I'm doing. And again, I'm one of those people who tends to probably run into them too long um because i just i run them ragged like i'm just now getting ready to buy a new pair of solomons and so the ones i'm going to retire that will become treadmill road shoes are like i mean they probably have let me let me see if i can get a good estimate i mean they've probably got six to eight hundred miles on them wow. <laughs> but i wear them until they're like you know worn down i tend they're to like just... ballet ballet yeah shoes by this point <laughs> this is what this is why they become riches um <laughs> and so and sometimes i'll alternate two pairs kind of i have two fresh mm-hmm. pairs that i'll alternate um but but lately i've just had one good pair kind of in rotation um and so, yeah, I, I probably wear them way too long, but I feel like as long as they keep gripping and they keep my feet feel good and they function, then I just keep with it, which is probably not like what you should do. So don't, <laughs> so don't like, do what I say, but that's what I do. Um, and so, yeah, mine, mine have lots of miles on them. Till they're busting at the seams, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Um, one weird thing for me, um, I have never had a problem with narrow road running shoes. And so huh. it seems to me like road running shoes, um, they maybe it's because the materials they're made out of is more stretchy. 
and yeah. they have they have less structural support because you're not that really banging your foot into anything. So yeah. I it's like maybe the the upper part of the shoe gives a little more. So that way, yeah. if my foot's a little wider, maybe it it um, the shoe gives, and then I, I'm able to fit it better. And I don't have any problems with having yeah. uh, narrow road running shoes. Huh, that's so, interesting. So I'm, yeah. I'm able to wear a much broader variety, you know. Since I'm a freak and don't. I don't I'm going to be honest. I have not owned a pair of road running shoes in like probably 10 years. <laughs> so I don't even know like what I would wear. So oh, like, funny. <laughs> um, well, let me start giving you my favorites. Okay. okay. All right. So uh, New Balance had this version called the Zante and it was some dumb name like fresh foam or whatever okay. but that's that was like the most comfortable lightest weight shoe in the world okay and, that's new balance you said yeah they were new balance Zantes okay. and the Zante okay. 2 the the number 2 version i i must have bought six or seven pairs of those and so whenever the the number 3 version came out uh-huh. the, the the leftover 2s go on sale oh yeah and so yeah I, I had like one or two pairs of them. I loved them so much. I bought like four more pairs and I'm, I'm babe. See, that's from like 2015. Uh-huh. I think when that shoe came out. So I'm like babying those. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, you know, if I pull a fresh pair out and use it, um, I, I, I like demote one and promote another yep, one yep. and, I, and they're, they're going down the chain, you know? Yeah. And, I think I've only thrown away one pair of those things and uh, they're totally bald on the bottom. There's just like, no, there's nothing (laughs) left. And, but it's the lightest shoe. They feel so good. I've done, you know, marathons in them. I've done triathlons in them. Um, You, you can't do anything cross in those things. So if you're going to, if you're going to like do light trail, you cannot do that in this shoe. It's strictly road only. Okay. But, um, you know, my family did a lot of Disney World type stuff, not not the Disney World marathons, but just uh, going to the park. And yeah. I would wear those and my feet would not get sore at all. Hmm. Um, and I know a lot of people who are like um, Kona type Ironmen where they they go and they 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 compete and they do the national championship triathlons. So uh-huh. these are serious athletes. And even though these people can do full Ironman races and then they can go do 50 mile ultras when they go to Disney world, they complain that their feet hurt <laughs> and, and it, it's a totally different experience walking yeah. around on your feet all day, standing all it day. Is. Amusement yeah. park. Right. Then. Yeah. And so I'm like, I'm prepared for that. So yeah. when, when huh. it comes to, you know, family at Disney world, I can knock yeah. someone out. You know, I'm, I can win. <laughs> That's funny. But ultra Disney, it, ultra Disney. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, now, I, do we, they still make these shoes? Do they currently still make this type um, of shoe? I, I bought some of the Zante threes, which may have been a 2016 release. Uh-huh. And I haven't bought any past that. Okay. Uh, but because I, I have so many of them still. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, one of them kind of fell apart and I glued the sole back together <laughs> <laughs> and it's and, and it's not New Balance's fault. It's mine because in a hot car, that's what happens. You know, yeah. The glues delaminate or whatever. Um, they may still. I, I've not actually wore any New Balance in a long time. 
maybe I should check. Well, I just suspect that people listening, if they're like us, um, you know, a lot of us hardcore trail runners are going to be spending perhaps some more time on roads, um, whether we yeah. like it or not. <laughs> and so some people may want to experiment with, you know, road yeah. shoes. I'm going to so, keep my old trail shoes, but other people <laughs> may want to buy the road <laughs> shoes, right? Yeah. So uh, my recommendation for road shoes and, and I know that the hokas are a little bit narrow in the trail shoes. And uh-huh. so the, um, what's that version I like? Speed goats? Yeah. Um, I would get blowouts on the speed goats because my foot was too wide. And, uh-huh. but I could wear them and they, yeah. they would stretch and mold around my foot a little bit, but they would specifically break on me where my foot was wide. And, okay. and I guess I'm putting more stress on it there than yeah. most other people are. But the Clifton, okay, they've had several years of improvements on the Hoka Clifton. Okay. The the Clifton is wonderful. It's got really, really thick padding. Um, They're really, that's what I wore today when my, when my old expired ultras from the Ironman were kind of, you know, compressed and Uh not giving me anything. The Hokas, those are really good the hoka clifton that's what they are okay okay and and i know they've had you know clifton threes and fours and on up i don't i don't remember what version mine are but i think they still make that shoe because i I always see ads coming out like oh the new clifton's coming out or the new speed goat's coming out and those might be a good option for people who never run roads and are kind of worried yeah. about it. Yeah. Cause they do offer kind of some shock absorbing, some extra I think padding. Speed goats work on the road, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you know, that speed goats look like a road running shoe with like yeah. a, um, a trail type tread underneath it. I think they got a Vibram sole. They're really okay. durable there, but I think the upper on mine was where I would get my blowouts. Okay. Yeah, so options, you know, I think that it's like this is the time where if you really, I mean, obviously we love the trails, we love trail running and ultra running, but sometimes you got to get creative and do things that are less than ideal. So it'll be interesting to see all the creativity that comes out of making uh, ultra running and trail running still work during this time. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. So. Yeah, I know a few of my friends that I follow, they're running on roads now. And I'm, I'm yeah. seeing those those posts coming on. Yeah. And I think there's um, there's places you can get creative and find stuff and uh, still stay still stay away from everyone else. Absolutely. And, but, but there's lots of creative things you can do on your mm-hmm. own. Uh, and uh, just a couple little just be creative and look. You know, yeah. you, you don't have to be in a park. You don't have to be somewhere where there's a lot of people and yeah. you don't have to be on a dangerous road. You know, right. right road running yeah. is dangerous because there's cars on the yes. road. Yes. So please be careful doing that. Um, but I like to find places where maybe there's uh, businesses are closed on the weekends and stuff. So mm-hmm. you can you can go to an industrial park or something. Oh, and, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah those roads are pretty much empty and they're all at least a quarter mile to a half mile long so if you're doing little loops on there you just have to run it Mm -hmm. you know five or six times and you've got 
you know, five to 10 miles. Yeah. Because, you know, the industrial park roads are, are usually pretty long. And uh, if there's any cars on the weekend, it's just sporadic. It's just one or two. That's it. Yeah. I also have heard of people who live in very flat places, how they train for uh, mountain ultras is on the weekends, they would go to parking garages Yes, and run up the parking garages. So, you know, if you <laughs> are sick of running flat roads or busy roads, if there's on the weekend or if there happens to be one not really functioning with things closed to find a parking garage, you know, to run because you get the elevation, even though it's paved, um, it may be an option if you're trying to get vert in and your mountain trails are closed. Um, yeah. So there's, there's definitely, you know, and I know other people training for mountain ultras that live in flatland, they'll pull a tire, you know? So if you've got a long country road, that's flat, and you can mm-hmm. run it easily, but you can't get much vert, you know, they drag a tire behind them. Uh, and so there's definitely, people have had to be creative, you know, depending on where they, they've lived and what they have access to. So it'll be, I think it's good because it'll teach us some new skills and <laughs> make us appreciate the trails even more. Right. Yeah, I can't wait to, um, well, I, I, I don't want to say it selfishly. I mean, I, I can't wait till all this is lifted and stuff. But I what I really meant, meant to say was I, I hope we get through this like the the viruses, um, you know, it fades down and we have less cases. We have more recoveries. Yeah. And this this is not something that's going on in the pandemic type setting anymore. Yeah, and, hopefully uh, there's there's things that I wish I could do right now that almost seems selfish when you compare them to, well, there's people who are dying and are sick right now. Yeah, and know, there's, and I there's know. people who are on the front line. Um, they're, they're having to, to work, to fight this all the time and they're exposing themselves to, yeah. to help save people who are sick. Um, but in any case, I think we'll, we will come out of this with a better appreciation for our normal life. Yeah, know? for sure. Just being able to go somewhere, yeah. smile at someone at the cash register and be friendly with other customers and, mm-hmm. um, you know, shake hands, hug people, whatever we're not allowed to do right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, wouldn't it be great to, to go to a buffet? And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Everybody and, breathing all over the food and not having to worry. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I I think it will give most people a very much heightened awareness and Mm -hmm. appreciation for just normal stuff, trail runners included. So, but on that note, the last podcast we tried to do, we had some internet issues. Um, Let's talk about, well, future dreaming and planning. Let's talk about trails. Uh, We had talked about, we'd kind of gone through and defined some things with trails uh, do you want to do that now? Yeah, we can talk about anything. Yeah, because we, um, we had talked about, like, okay, let's look at the future, happier times, and we had just kind of discussed. We'd gotten into fast packing and what that was in comparison right. to other things. So maybe we can talk about that. Sure. Um, I know that the Cumberland Trail is closed now because it's a linear state park they say. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of trails there that, um, are being built 
And I know it's going to take a number of years before they complete the entire Cumberland Trail, but the sections of it that are together have campsites on it and so forth. And, I, and we had kind of kicked around um, fast packing several sections of that. It's yeah. close. It's close to home. We have lots of friends that live around it. And if we wanted to do, um, let's say, 150 miles of it, we would only be able to do that in sections that are maybe 15 to 20 miles long. And then you'd have to get shuttled to another one because mm -hmm. they're not all built. But we would have the ability to either, um, while we were close to one of our houses, we could uh, stop and get cleaned up at night and then go back the next day. And there's some places where we could camp out and yeah. we could have family meet us, uh, cooking out at different times or, or mm -hmm. supporting us. And then we could turn it into something really easy, just a three or four day weekend. It doesn't have to be uh, something that you spend a month doing a, a trek on because yeah you know my schedule doesn't permit me to be gone for you know months on end you know <laughs> right, right. It, does, yeah. it doesn't you know even if I have uh five months vacation time say I can't use it you know it's <laughs> right. one of those things see in five months yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah well and so yeah so we um okay so for those who don't know in East Tennessee there's this trail system that is currently being built there are sections built. It's not contiguous yet. Uh, the Cumberland Trail. And so, um, you know, it, it runs through Tennessee, eastern Tennessee, through some really great areas. And um, so when it's all said and done and all built and connected, how many miles? Like 300-something miles or at, is it more? At least. Yeah, yeah. I think it's something yeah. like that. Okay. And so... As trail runners, we have run sections of this, and I know, Bud, because you live nearby and run sections frequently, and so it's a great place to go and do a long run, um, and so, you know, the more, I guess, you get into ultra running and being on the trail for long periods of time, you kind of get pulled into the idea of fast packing, which is... Um, similar to ultra running and that you're covering lots of trail miles as quickly as possible, but it's not a full out run per se. Um, like let's say you want to do 150 miles of trail. Well, if you fast pack it, maybe you would do like 30 miles a day. So you're kind of fast hiking, maybe a little bit of running. Mm -hmm. You've got a bigger pack on, you've got some ultra light backpacking gear so that you can make coffee or some, you know, ramen noodles, um, and you can camp at night if you need to rest for a little bit. And so there's this idea of like, wow, we can go out and run sections of it, even run a 30 mile section of it and then go home and be done with it. Or we can fast pack it and cover more ground, um, by doing a combination of hiking slash running. And so I think that's really enticing to a lot of people who are ultra runners. Um, and so the Cumberland Trail was one, and one that I had been kicking around and kind of want to do in the future is uh, the Benton McKay Trail, which is also, mm. it goes through Tennessee and some other southeastern states and is like 300 and something miles long. And that's a great one. That's an, a great trail to run on, but then also uh, taking even like a week to fast pack it, you know, or doing it over a series of a couple of weekends. Because like you're saying, we can't just, you know, leave life <laughs> in our jobs. For right. Months. So when people go out to, you know, hike the AT and through hike it, 
um, you know, they're taking off six months from their life. Uh, and we had talked about like section hikers may just take off a week here and there and hike sections, um, you know, and then kind of like the, the best of both worlds is, Hey, fast packing, you know, where you're moving a little faster than hiking pace. Um, you're carrying ultralight gear and you can cover more ground over, let's say a weekend. And so there's something really enticing about that. I love ultra running. I love running on the trails, but now fast packing has definitely, uh, become something more on my radar. And I think you feel the same way mm -hmm. too. I do too. I think there's no one, uh, with a stopwatch who's sitting there, you know, yeah, trying to say yeah. you're going to miss cut off. You know? If you got to get this aid station by, you know, yeah. five o'clock or you don't get to finish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that that has a big appeal to me and also the, yeah. the beauty of the trail. Uh, it means a lot, but you said something a minute ago that stuck out to me and uh, it's a perspective that I want to present. Um, you said that people can't, uh, take a month off their life to do something like this. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we're missing from our perspective is we believe that our life is the obligation of working, paying mortgages, paying bills so our family can eat and all that stuff, yeah. which is important. Don't get me wrong. But the people who would be doing the three or four month through hike, those people are living their life on the trail yeah that's it, true. that it they're not putting their life on hold they're putting bullshit on hold to li live their <laughs> life we have to do <laughs> yeah yeah it's and true we've talked so about I, that before yeah i saw i saw something on uh, there's a show on netflix called i think it's called 100 people uh -huh. and they take like 100 people of all different ages and backgrounds and they they do experiments on them, not like, you know, hor horrific experiments, but <laughs> yeah. they, they it's it's not like Mythbusters, but they kind of um, they put them in scenarios that these people don't know that they know that they're being tested in everything okay. that they do, but they don't know what actual parameter is being tested. Uh. And so one example in particular, they had all the people divided up in their age group. So. The 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds, the 40-year-olds, the 50s, uh -huh. and the 60-year-olds. And they had them each in their, their generational group. And they, they had them build like a piece of Ikea furniture or something. And when they did yeah. that, they had, they had one person with the instruction manual. And this person was not with the ones who were building it. And they have okay. to talk on a walkie-talkie to someone else who's blindfolded. And the blindfolded person has to tell the other people had to build it. And uh. so it was, it was, <laughs> it was a way to determine which generation is capable of communicating the best. Uh -huh. So it's, it's not who's the most mechanical. It's not who's the best reader. It's not who's the best uh, designer or whatever. It was who can communicate the best. And what they found was it was not something technical. It had nothing to do with your schooling, nothing to do with your wisdom, nothing to do with your background. It had to do with your happiness. Hmm. And that, that was the most intriguing part for me. And so that when they plotted it and they showed the time that the younger people took to build it and the time that the oldest people took to build it, 
they basically had the highest points and the best times for the, the younger generation, even though you would look at them and say they have no life experience. How can they possibly yeah. have, they've never built furniture. They don't know what they're doing. And then you had the oldest group, the 60 plus year olds, and you could say, well, they, they know how to do all kinds of stuff because they've been around. But then you'd look at it and other people would have the argument, well, how can they possibly uh, have the comprehension that a young person does? How can they do it as fast? How can they think as fast? Mm -hmm. Well, they're happier. And so everyone in between, which is where you and I are. So yeah. the, the, people in the, <laughs> in the, middle. <laughs> the people in the middle, the people with practical working experience right now, the ones who you say, okay, you're, you're the best engineer when you're in your 40s or you're the best teacher when you're in your 40s because you've got enough experience yet you're still young enough to be really on fire for what you're doing mm -hmm. all those people in the in the peak of their career are in the late 30s early 40s and they scored the worst on these tests and and the, <laughs> oh, no. the, the psychologists were giving that they were saying anytime you plot success uh -huh. and it's going to look like a smiley face when it's oh, when it's plotted by age and it said the youngest ones score the highest the oldest ones score the highest the youngest ones are the happiest and the oldest ones are the happiest uh -huh. because i can see that yeah it's the truth and that's who you yeah. find doing the the appalachian trail it's true you, it's, it's true. true i do i do feel that way there is this dichotomy We're, there's like really young kids like kids college age i guess and then yes. retiree age it's true that's it's that was true. my experience on the trail yeah it's totally true yeah and being stuck in the middle sucks yeah we're, <laughs> we're so unhappy we're, we're still healthy enough to do something and yeah. we're wasting our time and we're killing ourselves for a paycheck i know it is I, yeah. it's a tough place to be i think and so i think that's one reason though that ultra running or I should say fast packing is so alluring because we I think we're in that place in life where it is so hard to detach from family obligations from work obligations and go do what we want to do and so fast packing almost allows you to get a taste of that um you know if you go spend 72 hours on the trail you fast packing you can cover so much ground and have such an experience that, um, you know, it, it's reminiscent to as if you'd taken off a week to hike something. And so yeah, there's sure. something about it, I feel like, for our age group, for those of us who ultra run, it just yeah. lends itself to being, like, it fulfills something that we, we necessarily is out of reach, but through fast packing, we can kind of get a taste of it. And so, you know, we've talked about, gosh, I can't wait till... I'm older, kids are grown, and I'm in a better place that I can through hike. I mean, I would love to. Um, and so for now, it's kind of the alternatives, or I get to ultra run, which I love. And then I get to do something different, like fast packing, um, which I've really kind of, it's so grown on me. And I think it's something that a lot of ultra runners haven't considered, but are uh, well suited to do. I mean, obviously. Right. And so I really, I, you know, what got us on the trail in the first place, I know for me personally, is the love of the trail. And so this is just kind of like another way to experience it. Um, it's kind of like a blend of, of, you know, section hiking and ultra running. And I love it. And I can't wait to do more of it. And 
I know I feel like a kind of broken record. So I'm like, so have you fast packed? Have you done any fast packing? What do you think about fast packing? Because mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking for others in the ultra world who are like, hey, this is cool. We should do more of this type stuff. So yeah, yeah I don't know. It's um, it's growing on me. So hopefully in the future, once all of this you know stuff is over and we hit back the trails and uh you know, resume everything, that's going to be like high priority on my list is kind of planning out some fast packing things. Yeah. And, um, you know, the one thing you need to do is be patient with me because what I have done a little bit of and what I really want to do more of mm-hmm. is I want to carry a super ultralight fly rod with me. Oh, and, you see, my husband's the same. So I, know, I guess I'm so going to have to have <laughs> to pack me a little chair or something if yeah. we do some fast packing <laughs> there's places uh, where we're gonna stop for a while <laughs> yeah yeah and i know yeah I, I remember you talking all about that and that's definitely something that jim and i have done on some backpacking trips um is is take some fly rods and i am not so good at fly fishing i try okay but it's not my thing um but definitely i think and that's the beauty of it having an ultralight rod i mean you know you can cover so much ground and get to some really good places um and do the things you love yeah for sure And there's no there's no fishing pressure because no one else goes there yeah 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 you know every i find myself every time there's a stream crossing I'm I'm looking in the water, you know, <laughs> and I'm saying, yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm seeing little fry minnows everywhere, yeah, and I'm seeing, uh, you know, the bugs that trout will eat or uh-huh. or bluegill will eat, and I guess in my, you know, the time, my age right now, what interests me, are, uh, you know, any kind of fish. I, it doesn't have to be a trout or or a game fish, mm-hmm. but what I've seen people catching, that interests me the most are the unique fish. So there's like sculpins hmm. and, and that's okay. like a sculpins are kind of like a bottom feeder type fish. Okay. And there's some, even some trout lures that were modeled after those, but they're little huh. bitty and you can catch them in okay. all these little bitty creeks. Uh huh. You know, not that we would eat them, but just look at them and well, you know, yeah, throw them, throw them yeah. back. Yeah. Tennessee yeah, so darters. Little, I think is yeah, another. Now those are, yeah. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're, people catch those and they're little bitty, beautiful native fish that, yeah. um, I guess that, that appeals to me because it's found like nowhere else. You know? Right. Yeah. One of the neat things we did years ago, Jim and I did some hiking back in the, um, oh, what is it called? Um, it's near Joyce Kilmer in North Carolina, that area just outside of the Smokies. And there's this wilderness backcountry area mm-hmm. uh, that's not well-trafficked. Uh, the, the trails are not well-maintained. It goes through some really rugged backcountry wilderness areas. And we uh, took a trip there, did a lot of hiking, and that's what Jim did, carried in a, a fly rod and was trying to show me the ropes. And these beautiful little mountain streams we were catching like little tiny wild rainbow trout and um Mm -hmm. just such an you know fishing at the bottom of a giant waterfall and so it was so fun no one around um definitely i could see how fun that would be to do like on a fast packing trip i might even have to just 
brush up my skills and y'all can laugh at me as I'm yeah. <laughs> trying to cast. And, oh. um, but yeah, I agree. It's such a neat thing that I think very few people get to experience and do. So, yep, in the future, man, I'm telling you, as soon as all this has passed, I've got so many ideas for, you know, yeah. some day ultra running in the wilderness, some fast packing, all kinds of stuff. I'm ready. Good yeah, and what get it what potted. A, <laughs> what appeals to me is kind of like um the run I did the other night. I had one liter of water with me. That was it. And I had my smallest orange mud vest that I use. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was going to be out for less than 10 miles. Um, I didn't even realize how much water I drank till I got back to the truck. And that bladder had an ounce in it. That was it. And I yeah. and I I've sucked it dry before and I know what that feels like, but I knew that, um, I kind of know what my body takes and it was, yeah. it was a, it was a hot run. It was the last run I did on the trails before they were officially closed. Mm. And, uh, I banged up my knee a little bit, got bloody. So mm-hmm. that felt good. Yeah. Um, it, means it, was of, legit. <laughs> it was legit. <laughs> uh, but the thing that appeals to me about fishing when you're running is the fact that you, you have to plan what you take, you know, yeah. Yeah. you have to, you, you can't bring this whole tackle box. You have to have like a small assortment of flies. You have to yeah. have the lightest rod and, and you can't take all this bullshit. You have to have the minimum amount of stuff, you know, no gadgets, you know, yeah. there's no time for that. No, yeah. no room for that. It's like primitive and necessities. Yeah. 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 Trim, trim it down to the bare necessities. That's all yeah. you can take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when we're, we've thrown around this fast packing idea and some people might not have ever really thought about fast packing or what it is. So if someone, let's say an ultra runner, uh, someone who's comfortable with maybe going out in the backcountry or wilderness and running 20 miles, you know, um, if they wanted to transition into fast packing, let's name some of the gear they would need on top of, let's say, ultra running gear. Let's give them some idea. Um, Cause I, I kind of consider what we did at SCAR fast packing kind of yeah. this mixture of power hiking and, and running um, and being ultra light. And so the first thing that comes to my mind, well, there's two things. Um, one is a water filtration device, some way to use the water right. that's on the trail. Cause obviously you're not going to be carrying all the water you need for, you know, a hundred miles <laughs> or, um, and, and there's no aid stations. There's you're in the wilderness. Um, and then also the type of pack. So tell us, bud, cause you were the mastermind behind what water filtration we used for scar. So let's talk about that. So the, the thing that I used, because I, I don't need it to last 20 years, I needed mm-hmm. it to be reliable and work on the trail for, the, for that weekend there's a MSR hand pump style. I don't remember what they call it, but it's made by the company MSR. It has a hose that dangles down to where a lot of the streams that we were filling water from, I didn't want to get down on my hands and knees. I don't, I didn't want to be, you know, I couldn't dunk bottles in the stream where we were at. Right. Cause some of them were little springs that were so shallow. There's no putting a bottle in it. Yeah. Right. So you'd have like maybe an inch deep of puddle. And so, and it's coming out of the rock fresh, you can see it. And so this hose would fit down in there with a little dirt filter. And as you squeeze the hand pump, you can either drink directly from the pump 
or you could refill your bladder. And then what we learned was that uh, the mouthpiece on uh, all the the it's not called a hydroquiver, but it's a um, what do you call the oh the uh, smart water bottles? No. Well, but yeah, uh, hydro hydro flask is the name of the um the bag. Oh, right? the little uh, the brand. Can't, it's like escaping me. I know. Yeah, I think so. I think. I think it's Hydroflask. Okay. But but all the running packs use that same. Yeah, brand. the same the same yeah. type of bladder. Yeah. One of the dudes that was telling us what filter to get said you could just shove the mouthpiece right onto the MSR filter, and yeah. it would backfill into your bladder. And so we learned that, and you could do that. So yeah. we didn't have to disconnect anything. We didn't have to take the bladder out. We could just backfill it through the mouthpiece yeah. now of which course, was great i will say that was such was, a time saver yeah, it was a time saver um you're sharing mouthpiece with your friend but that's yeah. how you you know it's, it's <laughs> yeah. not it's not for the time this was pre-corona you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh and and when you're when you're with your trail friends you're sharing food anyway but yeah uh so it's another time and era that we were in. Okay. And <laughs> so that's what you do. You, you, yeah. you, you need to have the ability to filter the water. Now that's filtering out, um, Jardia or, um, microbes. Okay. Yeah. All the nasty stuff that's going to give you diarrhea, all the little right. viruses and par you know, little parasitic types right. of uh, anything things. that is, smaller than so many microns or whatever yeah probably the most filters if i if i know right um especially if half I'm a micron the lab, or something usually they're like half a micron because a lot of organisms yeah. uh are like around a micron and so it actually physically filters out these small little yeah organisms what it will not filter out are chemicals okay? right and so um you have to know that the water you're drinking and that you're filtering is chemical free. Mm -hmm. And so the mountain spring water definitely is chemical free, but uh, a bear or a person could have sewage in that. Stream. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, right. And so that's what you're filtering out of there is, yeah. you know, biological stuff. I think they have carbon filters that can mm -hmm. attach to, to take trace chemicals out. Right. And it's not a hundred percent, but It'll, it'll get the job done for you that weekend. Um, since you are going to be reliant on local water to replenish your supply, mm -hmm. you should have a map or something that tells you where all the water supplies are. Absolutely. So you, need, you can't just be, um, you know, headed off into the woods without any kind of knowledge. You have to have some knowledge yeah. you know, on, on what you're <laughs> <A little> doing. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. So be that as it may. Um, dry food sources like um, uh, ramen noodles or mountain house meals or even mm -hmm. uh, M MREs like the, yeah. you know, Army Surplus MREs or whatever. Mm -hmm. Those type meal kits are lightweight. All you have to do is add water and um, maybe your own heat source. Yeah. And, and so they have little pocket stoves that are butane or whatever your little safe camp cooking Right, they're really where, ultra light for backpacking. Yeah, like yeah. a jet, a jet boil or something, or yeah. an MSR pocket rocket or whatever they call these things. Yeah, and you can, you can heat three or four meals that weekend with it. 
Yeah. You know, so it's not going to oatmeal, ramen noodles, right. coffee. All those things are really easy to set up and make with those mm-hmm. tiny ultralight stoves. Yeah. Yeah. You could use instant coffee or mm-hmm. um, even uh, you could use a small French press if you yeah. wanted to carry that kind of stuff. Right, and of right. course, I've I've converted Stanley cook kits to French presses and it's mm-hmm. a little bit more weight, but um, you can do it or you yeah. can just have uh, something that you can heat water in just a small metal camp cup, titanium right. or stainless and uh, boil your water and just make instant coffee in that. Yeah, yeah. It's really and so super I easy. Think those are some of the vital things is is your water, obviously, and some food and a little cook source. Um, and then what was really important for, let's say, SCAR was the type of pack we carried. Because again, if you're doing fast packing, you're, it's not a leisurely hike. You're moving, you're gonna be doing some running, some hiking. Um, and so we actually used bags for fast packing. They make specific um, bags and basically what they are, it's like a hydration pack. So all ultra runners know that, you know, this hydration pack you wear that holds bladders and flasks and is fitted to your body. Um, so they're basically like hydration packs, but with a day pack made. So you have lots of extra storage. And we had talked about this before. So like the packs we used are fast packs with like 25 liters of storage volume that includes like holding your bladder, holding flasks and then room for gear, but it's still fitted like a hydration pack and all of that. Um, Right. And when she says, when you say fitted like a hydration pack, this is going to be something that's totally adjustable around your uh, sternum where you can secure it and you could run if you wanted to. Whereas a backpack, no matter how you clipped it together with a chest strap or anything, a backpack is going to jiggle and bounce. Yeah, and totally so, different. Right, yeah. to- totally different. Yeah. And I think the fast packs have storage up front. So you have like mm-hmm. side pockets and front pockets and, uh, and they're made yeah. by running companies. So they're, right. they're so, marketed towards trail runners. Right, that are doing, you know, longer adventures, uh, fast packing. And so the brand I bought, I bought a unisex, I'm looking over there at it, the Nathan uh, unisex uh, version of a small one and it fit perfect. And then, Mm -hmm. Bud, you used Ultimate Direction, is that right? I did. I used the Ultimate Direction Fast Pack 15. Okay. And, yeah, I have have that pack. I like it. Um, Yeah. I also have some orange mud fast packs. I think oh, I have that's the, right. the 12 and the 25 okay. or, or 20. Maybe it's a 20. I don't know. Yeah. So but, most of the hydration pack mm-hmm. companies for ultra runners, like we said, make, make the fast packs. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm good with uh, my, my orange mud 15. I've used it on a lot of different, uh, I've used it on, trail ultra marathons and stuff yeah it's not it's not very big and mm-hmm. i think when we did um black mountain that's what yeah. i took yeah and, and that was that was a great size but it held a lot and because we were right. stripping down layers of clothes and you were able to pack it away just perfectly right. yeah yeah that that's the only reason i had it I, there was like nothing in it but then at the yeah. end of the day i had to put all my outer layers in there and, yeah yeah and it worked perfect for that yeah. So I do feel like um, anyone who's looking to do longer self-supported ultras or perhaps venture into, you know, fast packing, definitely invest in a little bit 
bigger of a hydration pack with more storage. I think it is worth it. Um, and I, you know, it didn't feel any different for me. I had trained using the fast pack and, uh, there was no chafing. There was no weird muscle soreness. Um, it worked just like a hydration pack, you know, you, you adjust to it and, um, yeah, it's pretty interesting. So definitely think that, you know, even if I was going to go out and do like, maybe I was going to do a self-supported 30, 40 miler. I might even think about taking my fast pack. Like if I don't have a car to go back to, if I'm not doing loops, and I don't have an aid station per se, like through my car. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could just, you know, pack that sucker up and go do a 35 mile run, you know, if I really wanted to be so adventurous after being yeah. cooped up, you know, for all these months, I might, <laughs> I might just do that. <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, differentiating between fast packing and uh, through hiking or what a day hiker should be doing, uh-huh. I think that fast packing is the type thing where it's okay if you get tired and sweaty and um, your heart rate goes up because you're doing it kind of for exercise. Yeah. And I think when you're day hiking or in a survivalist type mode or through hiking, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed mm-hmm. to try and maintain as close to a level body temperature as you can. That you're makes supposed- sense. Because when you're fast packing it, like what we're talking about doing, you know that you're going to be doing it for a short period of time, like for one right. or two days. That's it. Right. And I and you're not trying to make your body last and recover every yeah. day for like a month straight. And yeah. so I think someone in, a, in another setting should not be going fast and pushing themselves to where they're totally sweaty, totally dripping. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a very dangerous place to be when you're in a survival type situation. Like if you're going to be sleeping out in the woods for like a week straight. Yeah, yeah. You cannot be fluctuating. You have to try and maintain as level of a body temperature as you can. Mm -hmm. And and you also don't want to be um, exerting yourself with that kind of effort. You yeah, know, and it like, would take more food. You, I mean, think about right. for a week of that effort. That's right. It takes so many more calories and water. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and, you know, the, the type fast-packing adventure that I'm looking at is we would be going point to point somewhere. It would yeah. be a, fi- a finite thing. And we would have set up places where people would be picking us up when we're done, you know. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And so, yeah, you know, all in the future now, we'll have to see what, where things are. We had planned to do Pitchell. We talked about that before on the podcast, which was, you know, a self-supported 70 ish mile mountain run. And, uh, you know, that's gotten pushed back. And so we'll find a time to do that. It may be next year because, you know, once winter hits, we can't, it's not really feasible to do it. Um, because the state parks close up there, you know, when all the snow and bad weather hits. So, yeah. So, we're going to have to play that by ear. But lots to look forward to and to think about. And, you know, I feel like I've just touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to to really, I guess, understanding fast packing and knowing all there is to know. So, definitely on that learning curve. Um, so, kind of using this time to learn more about that and and things um yeah so i don't know we'll see what happens so bud so uh what are you dreaming and plotting about during this time unexpected time off from the world so today 
I took apart several of my skateboards. I changed the trucks and tires and wheels around a little bit. And right. Here's what I'm trying to do. This is totally off topic from what our audience is. (laughs) That's okay. But I want to get one of my longboards set up where I can pump it and where it can actually look like a surfboard and I can actually motivate myself down the sidewalk or road without having to like kick step or whatever. So this um, is like Bud's alter ego outside of yeah. ultra running. <laughs> right. So I've kind of got like the surfer mentality. I've had that my whole life. I've been a skateboarder since, uh-huh. you know, 1985. It was, uh, I guess it hit me the year that Back to the Future came out. And you know, <laughs> I was watching that. But uh, it, yeah, I've, I've dropped it through the years and come back to it. And, you know, recently picked it up again. And, and I'm building skateboards and skating a lot now. And I like stuff that I didn't used to like. I uh-huh. like just sidewalk surfing. I'm not into tricks. I suck at it. I'll get myself hurt. <laughs> yeah. I just want, and, and I see these, I see old geezers, okay? They call themselves that, so I can call them that. <laughs> okay. um, this old dudes who are like in their 60s and 70s, and they're longboarding. And uh-huh. they're, they're going to places where I want to to trail run and I want to go to and they're but they're freaking longboarding and there's 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 paved sidewalks and segments at a lot of these national parks and there and there's Hmm. so there'll be cyclists and runners out there and there's trail running at a lot of these places but these guys are specifically um they're riding their damn skateboards up there and they're old dudes and they are it's like the old uh what you might think of in, in like Los Angeles or something. These people are from, from like the early eighties, but now Uh they're, uh, they're, they're sidewalk surfing and they're, they've got the trucks on their skateboards wedged where these things, uh, I don't know in physics what you call that, but there's been toys over the years, like sitting scoots or whatever, where Uh you're, you're not doing anything but like turning the wheel side to side and the damn thing goes forward. It has something to do with the caster on it or something. I don't know. But uh, it, it helps you, like, pump yourself and go forward without having to huh. kick. And it looks like these guys are freaking snowboarding and they're on That's a damn neat. skateboard. It's crazy. So, I yeah, I, I keep adjusting and tweaking that stuff and getting wheel bite so I crash and all this. So I have a longboard that doesn't get wheel bite, and I'm trying to adjust the trucks where they're just perfect, you know. Interesting. And, yeah, it's it's a learning curve. You have to do what's right for your body because your yeah. weight and the and your comfort level it it matters. So you have to adjust it till you get it correct. I would break so many bones. Like it sounds so fun, but I know myself. <laughs> <laughs> I would be like breaking. Yeah, bones. you you have to learn how to fall. <sighs> yeah. Well, that's that's all the. That's the all you got, stuff. bud. Well, okay, what else do you want to hear about? I can, I can well, talk all I night. don't know. My phone's actually about to go dead, and I've got okay. kids running circles around me. So we can wrap up. You know what? Uh, we're going to have plenty of time in the coming weeks to podcast. <laughs> sure. And uh, we'll, we'll have to start this new, like, you know, whiskey and whining or something. So <laughs> Definitely. Some kind of new version of podcast as we're sitting at home. Uh, yeah okay bud well i hope that you enjoy getting out in your neighborhood i'm gonna probably taper off and do a few little runs this week uh so yeah i don't know enjoy thank you lauren all right 
I enjoyed the evening. Take care. Me too. Bye, bud. Bye-bye.